You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello there, I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Welcome to the show. This is another live recording from the Gilded Balloon at this year's Edinburgh Festival, in which I'll be talking to the wonderful Rob Broderick, a.k.a. Abandaman. How are you, man? Hello, I'm really well. I'm really well. It's a huge pleasure to have you on the show. I've had some. Uh, I've had some lovely guests here. I've had some sort of big, high-profile people, some cult heroes, some festival favourites. Um, my favourite ones do tend to be when I have old friends on yeah, the show. We go back. We do go back. Which. Okay, we have to deal with this immediately. You're okay. a rapper. You're a comedy rapper. Yeah, I kind of started off as a comedian and a rapper separately. Like I did rap gotcha. and it was very much my kind of secret passion. In university, everything I did was rap based, like genuinely. Okay. All my essays were like hip hop based. Uh, okay. Were they supposed to be or was no, that no, you no, smuggling it was, in? It was, uh, I did communications at university and we get things like kind of uh, so like studies of maybe, uh, it was like kind of social groups. So I'd study hip hop or like semiotics. Okay, okay. I wrote an essay on the the symbolism within Snoop Dogg album covers and it sounds <laughs> and I'm fully aware you're laughing now but as a Pope's 20 year old I was like this is pretty deep <laughs> yeah definitely definitely I remember I think I did an essay on feminism in the film Leon hey. I was like yeah just an opportunity to watch Leon <laughs> so many times that I completely ruined it for myself <laughs> Um, so you're uh, you're a rapper. The reason I mentioned that, obviously, straight off the bat, this is what we're here to talk about. Uh, but also, uh, we were saying before you came on, this is a little bit like I feel a bit like Westwood interviewing uh, like Puff Daddy or someone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So throughout, if anyone would like to go, drop an air horn at any moment. <laughs> I mean, in reality, of course, it's more like John Craven interviewing Puff Daddy. Um, <laughs> not even as cool as Westwood. I'm not sure I want to be Puff Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair news, we can pick one. Um, but uh, that was lovely. I kind of uh, just uh, think when I was sort of welcome you to the show, it's just that even just the way you carry yourself is like you're, you're a white man from Dublin, but <laughs> yeah. you also convincingly have that kind of hip hop thing. You've clearly, you're not, you're not like a nerdy white bloke pretending to be a rapper. It's something you've been into forever. For years, since yeah. I was 14 uh, or maybe younger. It's a weird one. It's, it's, 
yeah, getting into hip hop for me was like, it, it's so, I don't want to sound like, and then light came from the sky. Yeah. You're allowed to, totally <laughs> but, allowed but to say I, that. I was 13, 13 or 14. And at the time, uh, we had Atlantic 252 was the ra- radio station, that was the main radio station in Ireland. And everyone mm. spoke with an American accent. And I thought they're from America. They were from Meath. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they play just like Seal and kind of Prince. And that's what I was used to. I love music, man. But there was no, lyrically, there was no, nothing I got into and okay. then somehow I stumbled across uh, I remember somebody played me House of Pain and I went to HMV's hip hop section and okay. they had three tapes and one was Snoop Doggy Dog and yeah. I'd heard I think in like somebody had told me about like Snoop but like I didn't know any of his music his music wasn't on radio so I bought this tape mm. Uh, and I put it on and it just opens up with Snoop in a bathtub with a woman. And I'm 13. I'm like, I didn't think you were allowed to do this. Genuinely, that was my impression. Yeah. I was like, I, I didn't think this was possible. And then Snoop goes into storytelling. There's swearing. It's a lot of that things that, you know, it was like a gangster novel in parts. It was comedic in parts. Sure. It was all storytelling. And I think that was, for me, that was something I'd never heard of music. So I got crazy into it. But the other thing that was interesting was at the time, no one was into hip hop. Like no one I knew was into hip hop. Yeah. I went to buy NWA and HMV and there was a sign saying held behind counter. Uh, so you couldn't actually well, buy and they okay. wouldn't serve it to me. So I ended up buying like a recording, a bootleg of NWA Live that was recorded with technology that is infinitely uh, worse <laughs> than what we are using today. What we're using today is very good. Yeah. But, but it, so it felt very much like a, I suppose one way like a nerdy subculture, but another way like something I really adored and kind sure. of became more passionate about probably because I had no one to share with. And like okay. growing up when I was when I was 20 and I saw like again at same HMV seeing Irish kids by Eminem or even Ja mm. Rule like kind of you know just the stuff that was in the pop charts sure. there's a tiny bit of me that got envious like you lucky fuckers to be uh, discovering just it just getting now, into that it moment, and that was so yeah. abundant I remember yeah. when I was young it was real like no one you know like wearing a Snoop Dogg t-shirt I remember getting mocked when I was 13 by the Nirvana fans yeah. it was just an underground thing wow no, who were in no, no, no position to mock anyone <laughs> yeah. but I remember that I was wept. I was well, yeah exactly Praise I was Kurt. much more one of those who were like you know yeah. grungy stuff I do remember a member of just surfaced you describing that of uh, my granny asking me what I wanted for my birthday when I must have been I mean the, the album will date it accurately but maybe 14 yeah. and uh, having my granny go into a record shop and buy you know HMV or something and buy me a tape of uh, Bullet from a Gun by Derek B right. yeah do you remember? Do you remember Derek? But bad young brother. I feel like I remember Bullet from a Gun. I don't yeah. know. I didn't know that was who it was. Yeah. Derek B doesn't sound like it should have been the name of the guy. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. That was very much uh, that. I think he died a couple of years ago. Anyway, this is this is this is no tribute to who Derek is, B. Who, is Derek? Is it? Was it? Was it kind of hardcore music? He was an English. He was an English rapper. He was ah, sort of like the no only way. English rapper. Oh, oh man, I don't know. Yeah. English rap didn't translate that well. Back no. It didn't, it didn't. There was great raps. Yeah, I, I had no similar moment to you where I went, I will become a rapper. That didn't, didn't happen for me. For me, it was like, hmm, juggling. Okay. This is, this is my way out of the air. Um, so you, so that, was the, that was the birth of the, your interest in, in rap. And yeah. that's something that's obviously stayed with you and broadened and you've got much more into that. Um, it, 
I imagine we're going to cover the fact that it was presumably an incredibly happy day for you when you went, I can combine this with improvisation, yeah. with this kind of stuff. So tell us how you got into into the improv side of it, because that's, that's equally important. Uh, the, well, improv, as in improv separate to hip-hop? Or when the, when uh, yes, kind of separately, together? as in a yeah, kind of theatre sports improv. Improv, yeah, I love... Because I remember, I remember you in 2005 yeah. when we did uh, So You Think You're Funny, a yeah. popular comedy competition, in a very strong year with yeah, Sarah lots. Millican and... Kevin Bridges and Joe Wilkinson, people yep. like that, Tom Allen. Um, and Stuart you, Goldsmith. Hey, man. And uh, we were in the same heat. We were in the same heat. I won my heat you and you did. got wildcarded through. And the, the reason you got wildcarded through is this was, this was unheard of. I'd never heard of anyone doing this before. Uh, Rob improvised his set completely. And just to put that in context, there will be a competition, there'll be a final of So You Think You're Funny here this year in which increasingly lean and honed and professional youngsters, young, new yeah. comedians, not all of them young, but new comedians, um, will be delivering their most, the stuff they've worked on and worked on and worked on. Everyone's like there, but memorising this, the best joke, killer and all the rest of it. And you turned up with a pair of Hulk hands and went, I bought these. I thought they'd be quite funny. And... <laughs> This is genuinely true. And you were right in that thing. I remember, I, I've got a very clear memory of yeah. in the wine bar of you holding the mic and sort of like trying to get people to say things in the mic that I'll were on the balcony. It, it, was, it was that I went on stage. I, I used to bring a banana for energy because I didn't believe in Red Bull. Uh, yeah. And I went on stage, I forgot to take my banana out of my pocket and I, I ended up putting the banana in the mic stand. I remember. Trying to feed the angriest man in a balcony. <laughs> And the, and the loveliest thing is the banana kept on falling off the mic stand so my balance was terrible and it kept on and I just look back and I go don't worry it landed on the skin it's still good <laughs> and then I go back and I think I became really enamoured with the fact there was a balcony because then I tried to get people to tie their jumpers together and have yes. a tug of war God, that's it made no back. sense and that's why Stuart won yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was I, I found a really constrictive when, yes. when I started, I remember my first gig. So I arrived, I'll kind of go into when I left Ireland. I left sure. Ireland um, in 2004 through, after a series of temp jobs that went nowhere. And I hadn't really done stand-up. There weren't, that I discovered, there weren't that many comedy clubs, but what there were were open mic poetry clubs. So I used to go and kind of noodle a poem at the start of the night and I'd go up and deliver it. But I knew I wanted to be in comedy clubs, so I came mm. to England and uh, just started turning up at open mics. And I think open mics have changed now. Things are a bit busier. Mm. But at the time, I'd turn up and I'd be like, hey, you know, I want to do comedy. And can I come back in a few weeks? They'd be like, no, you're on tonight. So I had some, sure. I, I had some really early, like, uh, to be honest, my first week here uh, in the UK, I went to... Uh, where's it, Ballam? Oh, uh, the Bedford. The Bedford. Went to yeah. Bedford and said, look, you know, I'm, I'm keen to do comedy. So they threw me on stage and just improvised and felt really at home. But then they invited mm. me back the next week and I made the, the mistake of trying to write material. And the material, I think, if I did it now, I might know a bit more about how to deliver it. Yes. But what happened was I went up on stage and acted like, I was merely trying to remember the clever words I wrote. So I delivered yes. five minutes and under two uh, yeah. and got nothing. And the more I got nothing, the more I sped up. And yeah. it just... It was it's just one word that goes, yeah. what? And then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. People were like, I think he's rapping. Yeah. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so it kind of, it toot and froed for a while. And it toot and froed, I'll be totally honest, like it toot and froed with a real 
anguish that I couldn't do material, that mm. I couldn't write. I, I could write, but I couldn't deliver. My brain was going to a much more stressed out place. So, yeah. so kind of leading up to So You Think You're Funny, I would sit at home going, today is my day. Mm. What are the differences between cats and dogs? Yeah. Uh, or whatever it was. And I'd really go, come on, man, today's your day. And then I had a few good people around me, fellow comedians, um, they were just like, do you know what? Just go up and improvise and see what happens. Mm. And I think that I was much happier with that. And it was, I mean, that was, it was very exciting backstage to, to have been <laughs> one of the, you know, one of the people backstage, even on the heat, let alone the final, yeah. of going, is he, is he going to, are you just going to improvise? And you're like, yeah, 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 I'm just going to make stuff up. Yeah. I was like, you're an idiot. <laughs> this is a massive opportunity. What are you doing? But, but w- what was electrifying was you had the courage of your convictions and you didn't go out there going, yeah, I'm just going to play around and then do the same set. Or, yeah, you know, some no, it people, it's, it, I think a lot of people on the circuit go through phases of going, yeah, I'm just going just to make it loose. Yeah. And you go on stage and go, hmm, loose isn't working. I'll quickly decide <laughs> to do the prepared stuff. But you stuck with it and you properly yeah, played yeah. in uh, the face of in the face of no reaction to begin with yeah. and you had to mine first, it out. in the final I remember for the first two minutes people yeah. looked at me I'd gone shopping that day and I'd found uh, I used to just try and find things that just might entertain me such as the Hulk hands sure. but I think I found uh, a doll of the rapper Nelly for a pound and I thought <laughs> why not bring that on stage <laughs> <laughs> and I do remember in the first two minutes of the final because as Stu said I think the, the semi-final was a bit more intimate yeah. uh, but the final was quite big and I think for the first two minutes people were like why is this guy in the final with his material about a Nelly doll yeah. uh, that he claims to have board. brought today, yeah. which is preposterous because obviously this stuff's been written. You know what I mean? Ridiculous. Yeah, but I did. I, I, I never had stuff to fall back on and that was kind of the first okay. first, uh, first while, like quite a while, I had nothing to fall back on because mm. I used to compare a lot then because as somebody who enjoyed improvising, it was always quite nice for me to just go up, chat with the crowd, see what happened. And there would be some nights that I remember being so petrified. There's certain gigs that I still do now that when I'm backstage, I'm petrified, not because of the day it is, mm. but because I remember how nervous I was a few years before. Um, but when I went on stage, there was no, there was no parachute. And yeah. I think if there was, I would have used it, but I never had that moment where I went, this is the material that I'm comfortable with. So I'd yes. always improvise. Okay. But it didn't mean that it didn't mean that I was super confident. Like, I'm going out there. Oh, material? I don't need it. Yeah. It was much more You like, were terrified like I, everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Like, material? I don't have any. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I really should. Rob's just an incredible performer. If you haven't seen a band of man, please make them a priority. They're, a, a, they're what's called a fringe must-see. It's just... There's just no one else doing what they're doing. There's no one else doing what Rob is doing. Uh, it's an incredible mix of uh, hip-hop, improvisation, freestyling, comedy, comparing. It just, it, it's just, it has, absolutely has to be seen to believe it. It's like a magic trick. He's like some sort of wizard. And what's so exciting is not just the act itself, which has it's always has got people on their feet and screaming. The last time I saw them, people were literally jumping up and down with excitement. It's that impressive. It's that Whatever the word is, I don't know. I was going to say exciting again, but it's 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 double that. It's it's worth using the word exciting twice in a sentence. But also the way that he's constantly seeking, as he as he talks about in this interview, to change and progress that stuff and move it on and find new ways to be funny, new ways to be creative with it. Very very inspiring. And then of course there's Rob's personality, which is the sort of thing you just want to bottle up and keep with you for emergencies. He's he's just so 
utterly comprehensively positive. Honestly, he's like, I don't know, one day, one day there'll be a movie about him and we'll all come out wanting to be better people. So that's Rob. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Uh, here are the best funny for no monies from uh, from the last week. Uh, you remember we were after the name of an Edinburgh show about birds and crime. Uh, these in no particular order are my favourites. There's one winner at the end uh, who wins nothing, but uh, a slow motion high five for all of these people. M Woods with Hawaii Five Owl. Bloody Helm, Grievous Bodily Harm. Very nice work. Uh, Joel Sheldon was the first one that made me laugh out loud with Robin Bastards. <laughs> uh, David Lettington, Jailhouse Rock. And you're only going to get that if you've got a, a Ponzi classical mythological education. Uh, and Dave Payne 164 with Crime and Puffinment. I'm a big fan of a tortured pun. That's, that's worth uh, pointing out. Um, of the Hack for Cash lot, this is people who have been at some point paid for providing comedy, so they don't count. Uh, Nigel Bowler Hat with the Long Good Fried Egg. Nice. Wateracre with the taking of Pelican 123. And Sherby 57 with Flock, Stork and Two Smoking Barn Owls. Which is just torturous, but I like it. Today's winner, however, is... Now, there's accusations of nepotism could be levelled at me because this man, Richard Sandling, tweeting as Squat Betty, uh, Squat underscore Betty, uh, Richard and I used to be in a double act together called Kiosk of Champions, and technically still are because it's never officially been disbanded. Um, but uh, this one properly made me laugh out loud, so you'll know it's sufficiently good that it's not just nepotism. Uh, his winning one for uh, an Edinburgh show about birds and crime was New Tits. Just amazing. <laughs> so there is an unknown number of tickets left for James Acaster's ComCom special on Wednesday the 6th of February at a secret location in London's glittering West End. The best funny for no money entry this week is going to win a free ticket, which is a saving of £6 in real terms. Uh, as I've explained before, James is going to come along, we're going to do a proper comedy show, I'm going to host, we'll have a support slot, and then James is going to do half an hour of his brilliant, brilliant stuff, the stuff that won him a nomination for the Comedy Award. Uh, and then after that we'll have an interval and then I'll interview him for an hour or so about the stuff he's just done. We'll podcast the interview, but if you want to see the stuff as well, if you want to really be able to make sense of it and really get the most out of it, come and see that live show. £6, the ticket link is on uh, my website and it's also on, uh, which is comedianscomedian.com and it's also on the Facebook page, so have a look for that. So the challenge for this week to win, the one winner will win a free ticket uh, for James Acaster's special on Wednesday the 6th of Feb. The challenge this week is to come up with a title for an Edinburgh a stand-up show concerned with weather and monsters. Here's one to start you off. Splasquatch. Brilliant. Correspondence now, very briefly. I've had a brilliant letter. I've had lovely letters. Thank you. Do keep sending me letters about how great the show is and about how much you're enjoying it. I really, uh, as you know, I'm emotionally a bit volatile and uh, it certainly does me good on a Monday or a Tuesday morning to get letters from lovely people saying nice things. David Carrington says, After I mailed before, I found an ad looking for sketch submissions and I thought I'd give it a try. I've been writing for ages with no real end product or success, but with the knowledge that the comedians and writers I admire on the show are fallible and breathless at times too I locked out and just tried to finish an idea off in short they like my stuff and they've even asked me to get more involved I wouldn't have tried without listening to your show so thanks very much David Carrington David thank you that really made my morning I really appreciate that um and I'm, I'm thrilled that people who aren't comics and who uh, want to be or are lacking a push to try and create funny stuff, create their own stuff, I'm absolutely thrilled that people are enjoying the show and finding it inspiring. Thank you very much. Uh, all correspondence to info at comedianscomedian.com uh, or you can tweet me at comcompod, get in touch on Facebook. Uh, and finally, uh, do, oh, OK, three things. I'll do them all in a minute. 
First is a shout out to Judith Edwards, who is a very lovely lady of my acquaintance, who is convalescing from a very serious operation. Uh, and her daughter, my friend Emily, has collected a bunch of these podcasts for Judith to listen to, presumably to help her prevent her recovery. And uh, presumably Emily's got one eye on the inheritance there. So lots and lots of love to Mama Edwards. Please get well soon. Take it easy. Uh, and remember to the rest of you, finally, you can rate the podcast at the iTunes page. Give us five stars. And this is crucial whether or not you like it brilliant little loophole there i'm only too happy to exploit so if you're a listener on itunes you can go to the itunes page give us a a nice review say some words about the podcast it's all good stuff enough reviews puts it up on the noteworthy page and then it just means more people can hear it that's good for everybody so here we go i return you now to the wonderful mr rob broderick cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So then, so what happened after after the competition? So this is back in 2005. You've had a stab at doing that. Yes. And come with myself, fourth equal. Um, That's very is, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and is, I and the other six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were all fourth equal. Yeah. Um, and uh, there is no competition. There is no industry. It's all an illusion. Um, it's all of us versus silence. That's all it is. That's all it is. So, so what happened then? Did you go back to, to improvising? Did you, did you go, I've got to write stuff? Or what, what no, was the journey I went, then? I went back to improvising. Um, I went away for a little while. I kind of I meandered around. I stayed improvising. Um, I went to... I kind of stayed, stayed in England for about a year. Then I went off to America for a year. And over there, had had four amazing weeks with Second City, where we kind of okay. learned loads about improv. Second City is the uh, an improv school in... Improv school in Chicago, I think Toronto and LA. So I went to the LA one with mm-hmm. uh, with a good friend, uh, the magician, Ali Cook, magician and comedian. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. We lived out there for about a month. And we just did improv course after improv course. And it was so good. It was so freeing. Um yeah, it was just, it was good. It was just an intensive. And I felt like it's not one of those things that you go and they go, these are the seven rules. And you leave going, I'm fantastic. It was just like you go there, you improvise all day. You had some amazing people who'd, you know, mm-hmm. worked with everyone, you know, all the kind of improvisers that come through America, like Stephen Colbert, um, from The Office. Yeah. Uh, Steve Carell. Oh, Steve Carell, sorry. A uh, load of those guys, you know, just kind of their peer group were mm. in LA improvising, teaching improv. So you got a really hands-on, I suppose, uh, yeah, improv background. And people just okay. give you, just, just turning you different ways. They didn't so had you done any improv workshops and training before then? I or when you did yeah. something funny, were you just thinking, no, I'll make I, it up? No, I did a few. In Ireland, there were definitely a few growing up. Okay. Um, but it wasn't that, it wasn't as focused. It wasn't really improv sure. comedy. And I don't think there was ever, I don't think England and Ireland at the time had, that I knew of, uh, an improv school. Yes, okay. Um, so I kind of picked up little bits of it. And I did uh-huh. a little bit of acting in university. We might have improvised a bit. Sure. Um, 
but I knew that I was very I knew that I was very happy when I did it. Okay. I knew I was quite comfortable. Something Sarah Pascoe talked about on the show was she does a lot of improv yeah. and uh, she talked about how uh, it kind of feeds you because it's all about making the other person look good and it's all about, it's a kind of a, she talks about it almost in, he's out of quasi-spiritual terms where yeah. it's this sort of nourishing thing that you can't get wrong and every time you feel like you shouldn't involve yourself in a scene, you have to. Yeah. And those kind of rules. And that seems to resonate a lot with your personality just as much as I've known you. You've always been super positive and... And you know what I mean? You're, you're yeah. that guy. You're like, oh, this is all going to be great. This is going to be amazing. It's going to be fine. So were you, so when you came back, what happened next when you came back from the... When I came back, the... so I was thinking about this today. Because <clears throat> we did, I was thinking about it before I came to the show, how we did uh, So You Think You're Funny. And I think there was a couple of years that I think uh, I just kind of went, oh man, I think all my peers are doing really well. Yeah. And I think I haven't got an agent. And I, I really felt like, not in a stressed way, but I was quite conscious that I think everybody kind of went on. I remember sure. you were, uh, you know, we would pass each other by and you were like, I'm doing this gig. And I was like, still rocking at the open mic, Stu. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, roots, you'll, know, you'll know I'll have been I'll have been going off going, God, Rob's so kind of happy and positive and I've got this gig, but I, I just can't be happy with my stuff. And, and I, I was thinking, I work in BT from nine to seven. <laughs> uh, so, so swings and roundabouts. Uh, so, but this is the nice, the, the nice thing that happened was, uh, so after, after, I suppose, really until for the next couple of years I was just noodling around the circuit and the, the lovely thing is and the thing that, that I'm kind of most chuffed that it happened mm -hmm. is that I fell I just there was no pressure no one was really going oh I'm paying to see Rob or, or mm -hmm. you know you have to go and do this gig and they're paying you so therefore you know do your best material I was just messing around mm -hmm. and that led me I think to doing what is now a bandoman so essentially Two years later, um, I did a workshop, a hip-hop theatre workshop, which I didn't know, again, didn't know. A hip-hop theatre workshop. Hip-hop theatre okay. workshop with a rapper uh, and dancer called John Z D. So John Z's background okay. is John Z toured with, you know, everyone in the 80s and 90s, late 80s, 90s, all the rap crews that came over. John Z will be going out with them. Mm -hmm. He also runs Breaking Convention, where a lot of groups like Flawless would have come up through the mm -hmm. ranks. So John Z runs this amazing hip-hop workshop uh, called uh, Surgery. So I got an email. I'm not sure how I signed up, but I signed up some website and they sent me this thing going, surgery's on tonight, uh, hip-hop theatre workshops. So this is late 2007. I've got a day job. I'm still enjoying, you know, doing my comedy every mm -hmm. night or most nights. But things haven't, I haven't quite found really what it is. I, you know, I haven't found something that I think, okay, this is, this is going to be sure. the thing that gets me on. Uh, and not that I was looking for it, but it was just, it was one of those things. Went along to this workshop and everyone, everyone was a rapper. And uh, so I kind of went in, I'd just come from my day job as a PA and I was wearing kind of my pointy shoes, probably okay. a little suit uh, <laughs> with jeans because I was a hip PA. Yeah. Uh, so I went in and, you know, people hung out with me. We, we met, it was in the Bernie Grant Arts Centre up in North London. And we all went in and in a cafe, uh, in a kind of little cafe uh, section, met everyone. And... I found out a little bit later, everyone looked at me like he might be a producer. Like no one looked at me and went, no one went, this guy's a rapper. So we all chatted. I could see people kind of, you know, like John Z remembers him going to me. He remembers saying to me, you know, what do you do? And he said that I said, I went, uh, I'm a rapper. But he said I said it with enough confidence. They went, he might be able to rap. But no one in the room I later found out had any confidence. So we walked in, we walked into this kind of uh, studio and the idea was we'd spend a week together and we just riff. We didn't 
improvise. We'd mm-hmm. make up hip hop theater and just see where it went. So we went in the first thing, just like welcome to the group. We stood in a circle uh, and a freestyle kicked off. And even there okay. were some that were dancers that couldn't rap, but everyone was encouraged to get involved with the freestyle. I was somewhere towards the end of the line. It's kind of a little bit, you know, a little okay. bit shy, a little bit nervous. So we went down the line. There's a couple of amazing rappers who were just like, you know, awesome. But also I, th- I remember there was a sense of, there was definitely in, in the early the good rappers had a certain sense of aggression, like, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not quoting here, but that kind of like, I kill anyone who steps to me, whatever it is. Blah, blah. It was just like, yeah. it had this rawness and this yeah. kind of aggression. And it got to me and in the cafe, I'd eaten a donut. <laughs> and I, started, I started rapping about how the donut was really good, but with that kind same, same kind of intensity that they had. <laughs> you know, with a jam in the middle. What? Uh, and, and, and I remember them kind of looking and being like, okay, this is kind of fun. And that's, that's really how a bando man started. It okay. started hanging out with rappers uh, and doing these little freestyle jams, which went on for a year. And I'll tell you about that in a tick, but it, I ended up working with John Z for well over a year, actually a mm. year and a half. We, we did a show together, um, but it really did start. And it started for me having also the other thing that was, that was quite uh, interesting for me is I'd know real peer group in Ireland to go, can I rap? So I think everybody that grew up in England and that I've met, rappers that I know uh, that grew up in London had a peer group and they, yes. would, they would grow up and they'd know other rappers. And, you know, even when hip hop wasn't massive in the UK, there were still amazing hip hop jams. There were still, you know, great rappers knocking around. Mm-hmm. So you still knew roughly where you were. In Ireland, I was like, I don't know if this is any good. I had like three friends who used to rap. And they were very good. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was. It was one of those things. That when I started meeting those rappers, I think my confidence um, definitely went up, and I definitely started going, "Okay, cool. This is this is interesting." Not everyone is as uh, at ease with freestyling as I am, and sure. I did notice that a lot of you know people would, would they would freestyle, but it wouldn't be that thing that they go. Tonight's show is going to be one hundred percent freestyled, and I found that for me, I was like instantly like, "Cool, mm. this is brilliant. I like improvising. I love rap." Maybe these could live together. So after was it that the, the donut wrap? <laughs> that, that that after of, that thing, did, was that when you thought this could work no, in a stand-up comedy club? It was seven days later and we had to do this performance, right? Okay. So so I came in, I'd just broken up with a girl at the time. So my piece, we all had to do a, a kind of show piece. It was in a big theatre that had a massive screen. So I kind of, everyone had kind of looked at me like the nerdy PA. So I'd embraced that. And I did this kind of freestyle I was going through the should I try and get back with her or not kind of thing in my head uh, and I really didn't know and I had written down reasons very much in the kind of Ross and Rachel thing like should I get back with her reasons for yes reasons for no which I shouldn't have Uh, (laughs) but I so I I made that into like a very nerdy like a PA doing a rap show uh, with with pie charts and like and they'd come up and I tied it into the music I made nine movies but that wasn't the bit that went that went fine. But the bit that kind of was the bit that I was like, oh my God, this is amazing, was um, we were chatting in one of the workshops about the Mighty Boosh, which I adored. Okay. Uh, and I was saying how the moon would pop up every now and then and just have this little bit of a chat or whatever. And on the day, I still don't know, John Z, there was some kind of miscommunication where John Z was like, we're going to do something, we're going to do a Q&A with the moon. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you know that Q&A? And I was like, no, no, that was a conversation about the boosh. And he was like, oh, because the tech guys are really excited because they're going to put the moon on the screen. And I was like, oh, right. And they were like, it's cool, man. We'll get, you know, another rapper dude. And I was like, no, to be honest, I'll try that. So there ended up being 
essentially a Q&A with the moon. And the moon, <laughs> when I look back at it, basically was me doing Dr. Evil's accent. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I ended up being, I ended up doing a Q&A and it was people just asking questions. And to be honest, it stopped being about the moon. It was basically like, it could have been God. It could have been an, sure. it was an all-seeing eye that popped up okay. on the screen. And people would ask questions. And in a very Dr. Evil voice, I would respond. And I had a DJ who was DJ Saturn. So you were rapping? So I was rapping. In so the voice of Dr. Evil? Yeah, in the a voice Q&A of Dr. With Evil. The moon. This is on YouTube. It's, it is. Is it really? It oh, is. Oh, wonderful. Okay. It's not under a Vanderman. I think it's under Moon Freestyle or something like that. So, so just so, just so that people know, if you're not into, uh, if you don't watch a lot of comedy, this is exactly how a lot of comedians start uh, rapping a Q and A with the Moon in the voice of Doctor. <laughs> it's, it's a classic origin. It's like bullied at school or rapping the Moon. Yeah. But the thing, the thing that made me go, this is so much fun, was I was already improvising. I was already, I was already at ease uh, with improvising. In a way I never was with sure. uh, with writing lyrics or or doing that. And I guess the piece lasted about seven minutes, yeah. and there was no. No, there was, like I walked in there going, this is not something I'm planning on doing. This wasn't something I was doing. And I left going, that was the most fun seven minutes I've ever had. Like the beat wow. was just a drum. There was, no, there was no record and I think I just had a drum loop. So it's just like a percussive drum, me rapping over the top okay. of it. People being like, I don't know, I forget what the questions were. They were, you know, how do you find love? And I'd be like, well, how you find love? DJ <laughs> Saturn, drop the beat, which is not as good a Dr. Evil accent as I thought it was. I haven't done it in five years. Don't judge. <laughs> uh, and that's and then after that I left that go man that was fun and that was seven minutes that for the first time I think for the first time I was proud yeah uh, but it was it was the first time I went man that was that was fun and that that didn't feel like that didn't feel like you know that I was that I was improvising uh because I didn't have material. It felt like I was improvising for a specific reason. It was a Q&A with some kind of godly image. Okay. Uh, and it made a bit, it just made sense. And yes. I remember very much after that, that's when Abandonment started. And that, I left that day and I was like, that's the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> and it still is. <laughs> uh, but it was. It was but that's interesting that you, should, that you should kind of uh, describe it like that. You weren't rapping, you, you weren't improvising because of a lack of something. You were improvising, like rather than a negative, you were improvising for a positive. You yes. were improvising because you wanted to rather than because yeah. you had to. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about Abandonment now and the, the show and the structure of the show because I, I, uh, I didn't see the last show you did but I, although I've, I've, we've gigged with each other many times yeah. but I saw your show uh, the other night and you've, you now are working with a different musician you used to work with James Yes Lots of love to James Lots of love to James He's listening Huge yeah, fan of the show um, and, It's true It actually is true And now, uh, now you're working with Rob Grundle yeah. who is a multi-instrumentalist yeah, is he? He, does, he's, he seems to have a tiny little keyboard <laughs> out of which an awful lot of sounds came <laughs> Uh, it's very funny. We we so I'm a music nerd. Like I love technology. I I have always loved technology, but I'm not particularly gifted at actually playing things. So coming up to Edinburgh, uh, Rob Rob was like, you know, we'll we'll work with just keys, and I was like, or we could bring a computer, a sampler, a mixer. Uh, a looping machine and two vocoders with us and we got up here with that and did our tech run and I went that was a disaster <laughs> and it was because it's still improv and Rob's still riffing with science and it became way too much so instead we we downsized to uh, a very lovely but tiny keyboard called the Microcorg XL okay. which is like 128 sounds um, we've got a, a drum machine that's got preloaded drum loops and it's just a much simpler setup sure and you've got you're also you uh 
you've got a vocoder, have you? You're auto-tuning. Yeah. You're, you're freestyling through a vocoder. Yeah, it's that kind of hip-hop thing where everyone that can't sing, myself included, yeah. uh, buys an auto-tune machine and suddenly sounds like Drake. Uh, yeah. So, and it's lovely. It's, it's funny that people go, you're really pastiching. And there's a little bit of me that's going, that's true, but I also can't sing. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't make sense at the auto-tune. Okay, so let's let's talk about the let's talk about the structure of yeah. the show, and then we'll go into maybe looking at the the because obviously most people that I have on the show, I talk to about how they write. Yeah, and I, I like you don't you don't, write. don't write. Do you write stuff? Do you Not make notes? Really, I do notes. I, I, I when I'm sitting with kind of friends, uh, there's some people like uh, Laura from Frisky and Manish. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much, we sat down for a coffee uh, back in May, and okay. pretty much chatted a structure that the show then came out of. So, okay. so some of our preliminary ideas, we just sat down and we did chat and I was kind of saying I wanted the crowd to feel like they could be a bit crazier this year. Because sure. I very much, I asked the crowd, you know, things like, what do you do and what's your life story? But this year I kind of wanted them to be a bit sillier. So we chat about the idea that I walk in and it's uh, it's this is your life that I know everyone already. Yes, this is the structures of things like I remember this guy. I yeah. remember the way this guy changed my life. Yeah, what this are you guy, doing? I mean, the we show were in I jail saw together. Yeah, it was a bin was. man, and yeah. you're like, oh, that was it, and then that becomes part of the narrative of the show. So it's all it reminded me a little bit of a Grand Don't Come for Free. And ah, it's, it also has that feeling of lots of different stories that then tie together at the end. Yeah, even though they're all completely improvised from. Yeah, from things from in the room. Whatever people say to me, yeah. Yeah. So you, uh, someone, you know, remember when we did this together. You also have people wear name badges. I have people wear name badges for two reasons. One, for me to go, oh my God, I remember, what's your name? Like, it just doesn't look good. So they're wearing name badges. I can go, hey, Patricia, oh my God, it's been so long. Yeah. But it's also because I chat with so many people that by the time the show goes to the words the end that I would have to look back and be like what's your name again so name badges are just yeah. much easier um, it just kind of it, it, it cuts one question out of it sure, it's sure. a very very chatty show so rather me it just stops me going to everyone what's your name um, yeah. and makes the whole thing a little bit easier sure so those so the, the, the notes you were talking about you said you've brought some notebooks with you yeah so the notes that I do like because uh, it is all improvised, but I will write down, I'll write down like a couple of notes. It, it's kind of too, it's too pronged. Okay. I'm, here, I'm here for the radio people with my iPad. Usually it involves me, first of all, sitting in Starbucks and writing just rough ideas for a song. So I might okay. write, I might write regulators. Do you know the song regulators? Yeah, 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 so I'm like, what if they were in my school? And then try and, and then, so that'll be the first thing. It'll just be like a rough idea. What if the regulators were you know, people that I hung out with. And then the second part is I get a little microphone uh, for the iPad and just do a freestyle into a into kind of an, an eight-track recorder called Vocal Live. Okay. So I put a beat on one track and I'll also do this in Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Which Starbucks and where can we uh, come and see you? It is ridiculous. <laughs> sometimes, I do, oh, sometimes I just get an idea. So I'll go, and it's, it's almost just a test and improv idea. I'll be like, mm. cool, what if, what if you were doing a track that was like, uh, like hip hop is a lot of celebration tracks or it might be like, like Dear Mama by Tupac, which is him okay. you know, celebrating his mother. And I might be like, what if we're celebrating some of my childhood heroes, like, Barney or Rosie and Jim. So sure. then I'll get like a ridiculously upbeat instrumental, like something that's all like horns and strings and do this real like, I remember you, Barney. And like how, you, again, that's just a random freestyle, but sure. I'll try it out. And often I'll do this in a coffee shop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and, and people will look at me like, this dude's ridiculous. Um, as I, I, I know I look ridiculous, but I'm over it now. I'll be okay. mumbling into a mic and sometimes giggling to myself. <laughs> 
I wish I could write. It's less embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of the process. So yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, and then the other, like for me, and I think any improviser, the biggest thing is going in front of a crowd. Yeah. Biggest thing. Um, I mean, you're one of the most exciting improvisers to watch here. And that's one of the reasons why you regularly just raise the roof. People fall out of your shows going, I, I had no idea that was even possible. That is very sweet. Well, of it's absolutely true. I mean, I remember a gig we did, uh, we, did we do the Y in Cheltenham? We did. And, we oh did. my God, they lovely were just gig. on their feet. All these, everyone else was looking, well, this is unplayable. <laughs> and by the time you came off, people were just rolling around the place. It was amazing. It's and it, nice. it's because, I, and obviously I, I think this is, I'm sure this has been said before, but it's, it's the danger. It's the, the possibility of it sure. not working. Yeah. And yet it always works. I mean, do you <laughs> flop ever? I've never seen you flop. I haven't really messed up rhymes too much it, it, like yeah no I haven't messed up rhymes too much I think the only times that I find it really hard and I think any of us as comics do is when you chat to the crowd and they just give you nothing like if yeah. I go what's your job and they decide to make up something like listen uh, I strangle donkeys or whatever it is yeah. I live in the Himalayas and I build tiny houses out of rusks grand yeah. I'm like boom we're off if someone's like oh this and that I'm like oh mate or, or just sure. I don't know if someone's just got no if someone gives you the most like I'll go sometimes what's the greatest thing it could be magical there's no limit <laughs> there's no limit on your imagination anything you want I'll make come true anything you know and I'll give examples I'll be like a tap dancing dinosaur whatever it is uh, uh, a tuna with Tourette's anything you want and they'll be like just have a nicer job and I'm like no <laughs> no and inside I'm going please for fuck's sake uh, go mental and I can see when people it, it's like that thing of holding on to the rails at a smooth hill people don't want to let go and I'm like yes. please trust me this this is my job to make your your whatever your silly ideas and, yes. and I say that with so much love like I want them to be silly I want them to be ridiculous because you know you know the rules nothing can be the wrong thing nothing's but wrong but they don't necessarily know no. those rules they've not they're not trained in impro no so you need to find a way to crack them open and yeah, get the and just go have fun and almost to go the less you care the more the audience will love you for it. I'm like, even if someone just starts putting together random words, if just somebody just says a series of words in a sentence, mm -hmm. uh, the crowd will love them for it. Because it is, the crowd's also seeing it as, it's not them revealing their inner psyche. It's them going, here's a challenge to the rapper. But for me also, what I get from them creates visual images in my head to, you know, mm -hmm. not, it's not like, it sounds a bit Rain Man. It's visual <laughs> images, but it, but it does. It makes life so much easier for someone to go, here's the maddest thought I could, and, and that's lovely. Sometimes I go and do shows and people do go, I'm going to challenge him. So they'll, I'll go, what's your dream? They'll be okay. like, uh, okay, so it's me transforming into a one-legged dog. I breathe fire and on Thursdays I do calculus and I'm like, well, well, well. <laughs> Let's see what happens in this song and it's always more fun and the crowd enjoys the kind of will the tension between it, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah if someone's like hey I want to be you know I'm a doctor what's what's your ultimate dream I don't know to go on holidays to France the audience like big deal you know mm. they, they they want the ridiculous and I'd like the ridiculous they're the bits that get stumped <laughs> So do you have a, do you have certain techniques as to, I was wondering how you because obviously the way the show works for people who haven't seen it is that you kind of compare the room you meet people you find out information from them you find out a lot of information yeah. from a lot yeah. of different people and then stuff comes out that you know during you freestyling stuff comes out that we had forgotten because it was three or four minutes ago and you've actually been working over here and then there's a reference to something yep. over there so is there a process in your mind whereby you're kind of loading up 
images or ideas or words or rhymes? Not loading up words and rhymes. Okay. 100% not, but loading up definitely ideas. Okay. And, and not loading up in the kind of, like, I've put one here. Just going, just doing a scatter shot of the room and knowing, do you know what? That's interesting. Like a few nights ago, somebody, a guy made face cream, right? And I forgot about it. I forgot about it until the very last song. And then a reference to it came back in as I was yeah. I was battle rapping the marshmallow man. And the marshmallow man, I was like, How does your skin say so young and tasty? And he was like, Because of this dude, I don't know the exact yeah, yeah, right, yeah. but basically, because of this guy's face cream. And the room went mental. And, it, <laughs> and I gave myself a high five in my mind. <laughs> I had forgotten that. And people afterwards were like, Man, you really held back on that reference. And I was like, I really really forgot it. Uh, so, so there's no methodical. It's just that lovely thing of going, and, and, and I've seen, you know, Stuart, I've seen you comparing as well. I've seen you riffing with the crowd. Sure. Definitely in the early days, I remember going to gigs that you were comparing. You're, you know, brilliant, brilliant. And I think that's something you were naturally quite good at, I'm guessing, from street performing. But yeah, possibly, yeah. Very, very much working with the crowd. Uh, and those things, they go in. I don't think you necessarily have a destination. Sure. But they always stay in there. That's a really good point. I hadn't seen it like that. When I was watching you, I was thinking you must, because I don't know anything about it. Well, well, the relationship Rob and I have now is that every six months, I will drunkenly text him saying, can you teach me how to rap battle? <laughs> and then, That's true, And then man. no more will be said about it <laughs> until six months down. No, seriously, I really, I just, you, I'm so you, scared of it. I really want to do it. <laughs> what, what I love is, like, I don't see myself as an aggressive guy. I think I would be the, I, I used to, so let's go back to John CD's, uh, John CD and I, uh, and, and lots of other rappers did a tour of the UK. We wrote a, a musical, again, through improv, because I'm lazy. Uh, <laughs> and, and we toured, and a, and a lot of, you know, really good rappers, really good rappers, uh, Bashi, Sueto, Kinch, guys who are, who are in the hip hop world, you know, big guys. Uh, myself, another guy, Max Golden, who's doing a show in the Pleasance. Uh, we used to hang out a lot, and we would try and battle each other. Max isn't a bad battler in fact he's quite good he's won quite a few battles but we got on really really well <laughs> and we tried to battle each other and little compliments would slip out <laughs> until it got to the point that we would pre-match pre-match pre i see you know pre-show we would go backstage into a dressing room and just battle each other but try and build up each other's confidence that's incredible like, it ain't no joke when it comes to this show you are totally dope and he'd be like oh <laughs> <laughs> and it was quite lovely so i feel like if, if if I told you how to battle rap, people would just be like, well, sweet Stuart Goldsmith is back in. Like, you would not be a heel if I told yeah, you how yeah. to battle rap. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the thing I can't, not knowing how that process works, it's interesting that you describe it like comparing, because I, I know a lot about that. I've done yes. a lot of that. Um, and I, I can't believe, I do believe you, but I'm amazed to hear that you don't prepare rhymes in advance. No. They just come out. Like I'm yeah. thinking when you end up with something like something about tasty and something about face cream, yeah. I'm watching that as a punter, as I think a lot of people are. If we were either, there's moments when we're swept up in it, and there's moments yeah. where you're going, how is this? Get yeah. the business on it. How, how is this possible? You think you must have, okay, when he said face cream, you must have thought of three rhymes no, of face. No, mother of God, no. No, and, no. and, and yet... I can completely see it in the in the context and the analogy of comparing. Mm. I have no idea what I'm going to say, mm. and then something slips out, and inside you're going, "Where did that come from?" Yeah. So it's it's just like that. It's, it's like a it's constant like process of this is coming out of me, and it just seems to still work. You're going like yesterday. I did uh, I did a show 
for for the hip hop crowd. I did it. I went to a, a b boy championship in Edinburgh. I was okay. invited. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you can see my physicality, it doesn't say b boy. Uh, <laughs> but I did a freestyle, and it was very much a kind of rap. It was a rap crowd, uh, and particularly dancers, and you know, a little bit nervous going into it. Because I'm also mm. conscious that it was just like it was dudes. Like one guy jumped up and went full flat on his face, and then last minute rolled his neck and popped back up, and it was like a human fish. And straight after that, like me and the crowd lost our mind. And then I was like, yeah. welcome to the stage, the white Irish man. <laughs> uh, and I was very much going, that thing of like pre-show, that, that nervousness. And then when you go on stage, just like comparing, just like when you open a show and you go bang, 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 did, did a freestyle. It was maybe, I don't know how long it was, a couple of minutes. And there were definitely bits in it that afterwards I was like, man, that was, that was a fun rhyme. But it was all off, uh, all, all, all of the impetus, all of the things that became interesting were from the crowd and it's the exact same things when you're comparing you're going hey man what do you do and and, and yeah. you, you riff off it and people go man that's fantastic he must meet uh, a guy who works in in whatever tax every yeah. night because that but, it, but it's just your brain getting that sudden stimulus and so you're going, how do Let's you see where this goes how do you train in that how do you get better at that is it a case of uh, learning techniques or is it a case of removing obstacles I think it's a case of doing it loads I really do I think that there's in terms of training in terms of improv like it's interesting because people often comedians I think uh, hear about like classes to teach comedy of which you know I went to Logan Murray's when I mm. arrived over there was an ad for it in time and I thought this sounds awesome uh, and I do think you can't necessarily you know I would agree that that thing you can't be taught to be funny but you can be taught to kind of loosen up certain things mm. I think from an improv and that's why I like Logan Murray's class was quite improv-y um, you can definitely be taught to, I suppose, just that thing of like, you can be taught to to say yes more on stage, to kind of see where it goes, to become more relaxed with, with seeing where it goes. There's mm. definite things that, and again, you can learn those by doing shows. It's by no means a thing with a class. But I think with improv, yeah, I, I, I do think like you just put in the hours. I, I don't know, is the truth of it. I, want to tur- I, w- I would love to go, I could teach someone how to freestyle, but the truth is, when I was like, when I was incredibly young, I was into, not incredibly young, but my early teenage years, I was into rapping. I learned I could freestyle by trying to rap along to songs and mates of me, mates of mine going, they're not the words. Like genuinely, I thought there was a song by Biggie that referenced the Taoiseach when I was about 16. The Taoiseach is the Irish prime minister. <laughs> and I was rapping, rapping, rapping. And I mentioned the Taoiseach and a very good friend of mine, Mark, who was also into rap, just went, yeah, none of those are the words he uses. <laughs> and I was so, and I was like, man, because I, I thought it was weird. Why did Biggie mention the Taoiseach? <laughs> uh, and it was around then that I went, oh, I can, I can freestyle. So I'm not quite sure with that how it's learned, but I do think, I do think with improv that thing of, yeah, you you there's little like the main improv rule is 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 called yes and like that's mm. it. If you do that, you're pretty safe on stage. If someone comes on stage is like you know, how are you, doctor? That you don't go, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm you from the future, which would actually be hilarious. <laughs> uh, but but that thing of just going with the flow, and I guess with the show. With a band I'm at, a lot of it mm. is going, hey man, what's your dream? Uh, I dream of being whatever it is. I want to be uh, a piranha that can glow in the dark. It's like, of course, that's a great idea. Rather than being like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, which again, others can get away with. I don't know. I think that's my, that's kind of my disposition. Um, and, and I suppose kind of that thing with improv I mean, it's funny. Everyone has that thing that they are comfortable with. Every comic does. Sure. And I think when I started out, 
I was definitely regretting that I didn't have what I felt all of my yes. peers had, which was this great ability to go, and that's my set. And I was like, man, I really thought that must be the calmest thing, just going, because I was panicking. I was panicking mm. backstage. Mm. The only things I would know were like, you know, I've got Hulk hands and that doesn't get you through 20 minutes. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though, looking back, it seems as if the, the end was buried in the beginning. It looks yeah. like looking back at those gigs, you can sort of see a banderman in there waiting to get out of yeah, Rob Roderick. Weirdly, when I, uh, about two years in, I would start throwing in a little rap into the show okay. that was freestyled, but I never thought that might be the show. I actually felt like I was kind of tagging it in. I felt it was, it was me indulging my own love. I really did. I was like, man. And it turned out you should have been, me. indulge harder, yeah, yeah, indulge exactly. more. That's the rule. So you were talking, obviously you got invited to this, uh, this B-Boy uh, event you were talking about. You have a certain kind of credibility in the rap world in I the UK? I would never say that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do, no, people, I, do people know who you are? Or do, do no, people... I mean, some do. Yeah, some do. We did a tour this year. Uh, and that, that we ended up in changing rooms. We did a tour with Ed Sheeran. Um, okay. We go back. Such a weird thing, man. We did, I did the Brighton Free, Fresta, Free Festival uh, in 2010, I think it was, or maybe it was 2009. I think it was 10. Um, and a guy called Dan Su, an awesome hip-hop promoter and rapper poet himself, just rang me up and he's like, hey man, I'm putting together this show. It's going to be ideally you, Maxwell Golden, who I told you about mm. earlier, the compliment battle rapper, mm-hmm. uh, a drummer called Camillo Torado, who had been in a band of man. When we did our very early shows, we, we toured with, or we toured, we did shows for a pound. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that actually is true. First gig we did together as a group, three of us, I got paid a door split. And the guy went, listen, man, uh, you know, because I'm comparing and I'm doing the door. I didn't really keep my eye on the door. That's your split. It had to be a pound. And I told the other two who were from the music world that it was a door split. And I had to be like, guys, it's 33p. <laughs> and I remember them looking at me like, this won't buy us a Snickers. Uh, but, but in the early days, Camilla was there. So, and then he was like, and this other guy, and he sent me a YouTube link to this young guy who was fantastic doing a gig at Shepherd's Bush opening, I think for, might have been Nislapi, I'm not sure, but using a loop pedaling, using guitar. So off we went, we went down to Brighton and we did freestyle jams and we did some abandonment pieces with this guy Ed playing. Ed did some of his songs, himself and Max did this lovely improv piece and, mm-hmm. and that was that. And I just remember going, yeah, this guy's really good. And then we'd bump into each other every now and then. I remember one point Ed was like, Rob, like, who's your lawyer? And I, I was like... Ed, you don't need a lawyer. We're doing shows for free. <laughs> and then and then gradually just seeing seeing Ed become bigger and bigger and bigger. And then yeah. he asked us to support him and then his album went to number one. It was and it was mad. So so we ended up in this tour where, you know, Devlin Tiny Tempa, Rizzle Kicks, uh, you know, lots of rappers were hanging out backstage. So Dig got to meet get to meet them. They did see the show. Uh it went down all right. We've we've mm. done a lot of hip hop shows, we've done a lot of music festivals. Um so I'd say, yeah, I don't know if credibility is the word, but whenever we've done a hip-hop crowd, like we opened for uh, one of my favorite DJs, DJ Yoda recently, and that was Did a you hip-hop really? crowd. Yeah, oh, our wow. first gig. This is mad, Stu. This is, I love this, right? First ever Abandoman gig as myself and James Hancocks, who uh, plays guitar. He's kind of doing solo stuff at the moment. Mm-hmm. We still jam quite a bit. So the first, I met James like a couple of nights before. This is uh, 2009. Um, met James 
we he was in a folk band I was comparing and I went uh, we came off stage and I went to him look I've got one last bit in the show will you play guitar mm-hmm. and I'm going to rap and he was like yeah no worries so we went on stage we did that again it was another like three pound gig same promoter <laughs> he is I'm not going to mention him but he's a lovely man but pays fucking nothing uh, so so we did that I took James number next day I was going to do uh, I was going to an improv class a workshop that I was that I was giving a couple mm-hmm. of people uh, for uh, in Camden and I saw on MySpace uh, Atmosphere who at the time since pretty much 2002 had been my favourite hip hop group mm-hmm. Atmosphere having they just had as, a, as an update Hello London so I went on their website saw they were playing the Scala rang the Scala to get a ticket thought I'll go down I'll teach this little class I'll go down afterwards and the guy on the phone was like just so you know Atmosphere is coming on really early tonight I was like why and he's like support's just pulled out so I went oh and I put down the phone and my heart was like beating because I knew what I wanted to do <laughs> and I've never been more nervous but I called back and I went hey man I'm in a hip hop group and he went okay cool and I went can I can I be Atmosphere's opening act and he went eh. <laughs> and he went look I can put you through to the promoters so he gave me their email address and I emailed them I went look I'm a hip hop I'm a rapper I'm in a hip hop group who then sent me through to Atmosphere's manager and this is like maybe three o'clock and his manager went, okay, text me a YouTube link. So I sent him a little something of me rapping. And he went, you know what? Yeah, man, come through, do 20 minutes. So I rang James, whose surname I did not know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really know James. I rang James, I was like, hey, it's Rob from last night. Do you want to do a gig tonight? And he was again getting ready for a new tiny stage. He was like, yeah, no worries. Where is it? I was like, La Scala uh, in London, which is a big venue. And so he we went down. With it. So this is maybe half three. Our sound check was five. And we met up, we met up backstage. Um... And we had one idea for one song. We needed to fill 20 minutes. And we knew the crowd was hip-hop, which is very different to comedy, I think. And yeah. a good hip-hop crowd. Like, Atmosphere is a, you know, it's grown man music. Or it's grown person music. It okay. wasn't going to be like 14-year-olds being like, hey, it was going to be like hip-hop heads. Um, so we met backstage. We did a little bit of a chat. And, uh, and then we went out and we did our show. And like... Again, it was just mad. I was I was terrified because I thought the hip hop heads are going to rinse us. But it ended yeah. up being quite lovely. It ended up being a thing where I kind of went, okay, this this might just work. There's lovely moments in it where I did go out and I went, hey, I'm Rob from Ireland. And the crowd went, Way. I went, this is James. He's from... And then I turned to him and went, mate, where are you from? <laughs> and people still come to our shows. They were at that gig and kind of are still a bit amazed. We didn't know each other. We had no idea beyond seven minutes what we were going to say. And we, good yeah, God. it was good. It was crack. But yeah, that's I like those hip hop crowds. Feel way more, way more nervous. Do but, you think? Do you think there are any other people like whenever you see something successful in comedy, it spawns lots of imitators. Yeah. Do you think there's anyone out there who has that same combination of hip hop freestyle interest and ability? improvisation ability and knows that the comedy circuit exists. I yeah. can't imagine. I, I would say. I would say in the same way. I mean, again, everyone's going to be different because a lot of the freestyles are fed through me. They're fed through my personality. So mm. I think if somebody else, I think other freestylers, there's amazing freestylers, but even if you're in a, a group of freestylers, like if you're in a group of, I suppose, comics, mm-hmm. you could still go, that's his style, that's his yeah, style. Yeah, of course. I think, the, you know, my stuff will always be, 
let's be frank, it'll be probably upbeat. I'm probably not going to wander out and be like, hey, you bunch of cunts. Like, yeah. it's just, it's not really who I am. I think it's always going to be upbeat. And I love the silly. I love the surreal. So sure. I think the stuff will always so be... Even if, that, even if someone else does start combining those things in yeah, that way, I, it's I not still gonna... think it's going to be, you know, just like Beardy Man and Shlomo. Yeah, I, I love both of them, but I wouldn't, you know, both have their own areas. Sure. And you go and see them and you go, that's Shlomo, that's Beardy Man. Both yeah. do beatboxing. Um... And I, yeah, unless I'm wrong, unless <laughs> there's someone who's out there thinking like, I am going to be a bando man. Yeah. <laughs> don't, it's a terrible lifestyle. Um, we're, we've got to draw to a close fairly soon because we've run out of time. But uh, if anyone has any questions from the audience, I've got a couple of other questions for Rob. Uh, if anyone like would like to ask anything, feel free to put a hand up. Uh, yeah, go for it down here. Yeah. Can I can I just ask that He's, question again through yeah. the through the for the sake of the recording? Um, uh, what do you think is the line? Where is the line drawn between having fun with hip hop and parodying hip hop? I'm almost keen to ask you guys this. This is true. Like, uh, I adore hip hop. Like, adore it. And I probably people before have gone, hey, you could be like a hip hop character, you know, come out and be like, yo, what's going on? Uh, you know, or, or I suppose kind of maybe the first thing that I did, that kind of office temp, the raps, which I think maybe might be heading down. For me, and I'm keen to know what you think, I, like, I I don't think that I'll, like, I really respect hip-hop. That sounds, yeah. I know that sounds ridiculous, but like, I've never wanted to do something that kind of, this is hip hop. Sure. I always love it. Like it's it's not a case of me peeking in and going. There's something I might I might mock certain things. Like you know Kanye's auto tuned album. I think Kanye's the best rapper in the world. I really do. Him and Jay Z live, fantastic. But I thought that album was a little bit silly. I think Drake. I quite like Drake at the moment because he's so emotional, and you don't see that in hip hop. So I might take bits of that and play with it. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I always, I, I always think, think that I'm a, I do think that like, I gotta go, I'm a rapper. <laughs> As in, it's not someone who's looking in the window of hip hop, even though I am as an Irish man, I grew up with no hip hop in terms of peers and really in terms of radio play. But like hip hop is what I love. I would never, I'd never want to wander out being like, Hey, I'm a cartoon character rapper. It's like, I hope, and this is kind of the ideal with the show. God, I feel po-faced. I feel like I'm about to say my manifesto. No, uh, this is, this is, remember Ben Norris's interview? This is exactly what we want. Yeah, th- this is, I like, I really want to be, a, uh, I, I want to be a good rapper. And I kind of feel like rap facilitates what I do, but I don't feel I'm mocking hip hop. Like in the show, it is, it's stories, but I don't feel I'm wandering out going, I'm mocking Tupac, I'm mocking whoever it is. Sure. Uh, whoever, whoever. The I think it's are. clear, Rob, if you're asking us, I think it's clear from, your commitment to it, that you are of it. Do you, do you see what I mean? Like you, you, are, you are the guy out there putting your balls on the line. You're the one who is at risk of not saying the thing. Sure. And it is, the, the gig is a constant, okay, here's offers, here's offers, here's an opportunity. It could go horribly wrong. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Again, it really could now. It doesn't. Yeah. Again. And you're the one risking that. You're the only one on, which, on whose shoulders sure. that, that risk rests. And I think that buys, I think you'd agree, that buys you a lot of respect within it. I don't think it comes across at all. Well, like it's you. definitely me trying to be, uh, I feel so focused, but, but I feel, I feel it's me trying to be who I am. Like we've done certain shows and afterwards they're like, okay, can we do a, we'll do a photo for the show and a photographer might go, Hey, throw like uh, a W with the finger sign. I'm like, no, I really won't. And likewise, you know, in, in the show's, 
I don't feel like I should dress hip hop. Like I used yeah. to wear a suit for a lot of the earlier shows. Now I kind of just because it's hot in Edinburgh, I wear a kind of lighter. But I, d- I just don't pants. feel just pants. Just. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the show sells <laughs> my my b boy body. Uh, but yeah, it's just that thing of it's not trying to go. I'm not trying to be whoever it is, X, Y, Z, whatever rapper. It's very much me trying to be a rapper and <laughs> trying. Uh, it's me trying to bring who I am to hip hop. And I think that's, yeah, that's kind of what I think is good about rap. That's, you know, like Drake is a good example. Drake is someone who came to hip hop, you know, recently as an actor. He was an actor before, came to hip hop, was amazingly open with his emotions. And that's something that I think hip hop hadn't seen that much. A little bit with Kanye, but there's kind of for mainstream hip hop, people hadn't seen that that much. And I think that's why it's good. Uh, mm. Likewise with me, when I've, whenever I'm doing this, I'm, I'm using hip hop and I, and I am rapping. I adore rap, but I'm not trying to necessarily, I'm trying to tell stories yeah. with rap, which is the hip hop I adored. Going back to Snoop, his first album, loads of stories, Biggie, mm. loads of stories. The hip hop that stood out to me, Nas has some great narrative tracks, Atmosphere has some great narrative tracks. They were the things that inspired me. So I kind of like to think, mm. I like to think it's not parody, but I could be wrong. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I always thought, having seen your show, you really could have rested on doing the same show forever because it's different every night. Sure. And it's very exciting. And I did for a while. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but it's very exciting to see you take those elements and push them forward into that new, that kind of linear idea, the yeah. narrative idea, uh, the different styles of singing, the, the constant yeah. invention. Do you, con- do you plan to continue touring different shows or what's what's the what's the, the sort of five ten year plan where do you want to there's you want no to be? five ten year plan the immediate plan this year's show is a narrative so it's an improvised narrative uh, and as you said there's more styles it is mm. rapping but also hip-hop has embraced trance with david guetta kind of yep. stuff yep. so it's trying to also get some of that in it's got some of the slower it's got like a slow ballad in it this year yeah. where i sing with it i should use auto-tune but i don't i sing so badly uh yeah the, the, my girlfriend's a singer she looks at me like you are lucky you get away with this <laughs> uh, so so I, I would love this year to try and do more narrative stuff and then to be honest weirdly after me saying no to writing this year uh i've kind of been writing loads but i haven't okay. yet brought it to the stage um so i think this year i might try and i'd like to keep the narrative thing i'd like to tour and i am going sure. on a tour this year that's going to be more the shows are going to have a narrative arc okay and ideally somewhere down the line that's what i'd like to i'd like to build you know, more stuff that has a narrative, that has a kind of start, middle and an end. I quite like it this year. For me, my show goes quicker this year because other years it's like, here's a song about this guy. See you later. Now for that guy. Okay, that's done. What about this sure. guy? That's done. This time it's it's just an hour and it's it's. I feel like it goes a bit quicker. Sure. So I, and I like that. I'd like it to be more narrative based. We'll see where it goes from there. That's all we've got time for. Ladies and gentlemen, please j- join me in thanking Mr. Rob Broderick. Thanks, man. Thank you. Awesome. So that was Rob. What what a what a lovely man. What a lovely, talented, exciting, inspiring, positive kind of a bloke. He I, I absolutely love Rob to bits. Um I tried to find this clip of him doing a QA with the moon at his first kind of the, the gig that then became a Banderman. I couldn't find it on YouTube. If I've asked Rob, he's not got back to me yet, he's a very busy man. If anyone finds it, tweet it at me and I'll retweet it at ComComPod. So thank you to BBC Worldwide, as ever, all of my technical people, Grand Viziers, everyone that's helped me out with the show. And next week, we're going to be hearing from Dr. Brown. I'm so excited to bring you this chat. I, I, it's, it's, ah, oh, I don't even know what to say. 
I, if I were you, I'd be spending all week getting very, very buzzy about the fact that next week's episode is going to be Dr. Brown. It's really going to knock you on your asses. Uh, and remember, if you would like to meet my beautiful daughter, all you need is to ask and then go through a rigorous selection process. Bye. <laughs> deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.